Well, it's uh, been looking forward to this series. We had it uh, in part in our Sunday school class uh, here this past year, and I thought it was so good. I wanted you folks to hear it. I really did. I just really enjoyed what he did. Though tonight he had a thing on there. I was saying Dr. Woodard, and he was had a thing on there that said Lewis. Is that Lewis Spiri Chaper? Close to it. Close to it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he's dead. Uh, but nonetheless. <laughs> Uh, but uh, I, I do want you to listen to that and, and just follow along completely. It, it's very good, and I, if there was anything I could just say, you're going to listen to this and you're going to get a test on it when it's over, I, this would be one of those things I would do that on. It's very important in today's society. Thank you, brother. Well, I just about asked him if his name was Reuben, but I, I didn't do that. Yeah, I've been, I've been praying for Reuben that he'd stay away from all of the perversions and everything. I don't know if you remember or not, a few weeks ago, Reuben found an earring up here. You remember that? He found an earring, and, and he, he started a rumor that he thought it was my earring. And uh, yeah, that, that's not the worst part of it. Uh, Brother Banfi got caught up in, in the heat of the moment, and he walked back here, and he said maybe it was a nose ring. And... Uh, <laughs> But, uh, you know, I, I have thought about this and everything about Brother Reuben, and uh, I love him in the Lord. Where's he at? Is he back here? Did he leave? There he is back here. I've been praying for him. You know, it's quite evident that, that Reuben wants to be like me. Uh, <laughs> that, uh, when he grows up, he, he wants to be like me. But I'm glad to be here tonight, and I'm glad you're here. And uh, Brother Bonner's here, and he came. Although I was speaking, he still came, and I'm glad that, that he's here tonight. I'm glad that everybody's here. Well, tonight, uh, this is where we're at. We're at this church. This is, this is the building. You're right in there somewhere. Not, not in that picture, but this is our church building, and we're here tonight. And uh, I'm, once again, pleased and proud to be able to present the Word of God. Now it clipped too fast there. Let's, hold, let's back it up just a little bit. It's going, it's going forward. There we go. Growing together in the Word. And this is what we see in our Sunday school class each time that we start our Sunday school class. And that's what we're here tonight for. And I pray you're here for that, that uh, you're going to grow in the Word and that the Word is going to dwell in you richly. And, uh, of course, God is the Spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. You pray for me tonight that, that the Word of God will go forth and that uh, we'll see something that uh, God wants us to have tonight. As we think of this... Uh, the first, the first message tonight, the first lesson I'd like for us to look at is perversions, perversions of the Bible. And the first three sessions, if you want to call them sessions, messages, whatever, this is the first of the three about perversions. The last two will be on the King James. Now, actually, as we study these perversions, we're going to get a lot of the King James because I am... Uh, you know, I'm convinced that we cannot study something like this without having the King James preeminent. And uh, as, as we study this, I want you to think of this first lesson. Now, this may insult some people. I don't know. You may get uh, offended. But the first of the perversions that we're going to look at tonight is called the not inspired version. This is the NIV, the, well... That's enough of that, number one, the NIV. Fool's gold. Notice up here, if you would, there's about 300 perversions today. You have the NWT, the New World Translation, 
That is the Jehovah's Witness Bible. I do not have the Mormon Bible up there that says that Jesus Christ is the half-brother of Satan. I believe that's the one they teach. And uh, there's the NIV, the Life Bible, uh, the NKJV, you know what that is. And uh, th there's so many, there's no way that, that uh, we can go over every one of these, but they all have things in common. And those things in common is this, they're not, of the, they're not the Word of God. And this is something that you and I need to realize tonight. Well, notice with me, if you would, Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 23. It says, A wicked man taketh a gift out of the bosom to pervert the ways of judgment. Well, the gift I think of, first of all, as we read that verse, is the gift of eternal life that comes only through the Lord Jesus Christ. The next gift I think of is the written Word of God. And uh, there are individuals today who want to do away with the Word. And as we get started here, let me say that nothing is going to do away with the Word of God. The Word of God is going to stand no matter what man does. And this is something that you and I need to be aware of tonight and really thank the Lord for. Some, starting with Satan himself, have tried to malign, distract, dishonor, and have even tried to change what God himself himself has breathed into the book his unadulterated word of God and that is the King James Bible. Notice in Acts chapter 13 and verse 10 Paul spoke to Elismas the sorcerer. Acts chapter 13 10 says and said O full of all subtlety and all mischief thou child of the devil thou enemy of all righteousness Wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? You see, shouldn't we stand up today to those who pervert the right ways of the Lord? In any way that, the, that uh, God is, uh, is perverted, people try to pervert God himself, and we need to stand up in every way that we can. People have been duped. People are victims of deceit. In Galatians chapter 1 and verses 6 through 9, it says, Paul the Apostle said this even back when he was living. I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which uh, we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. Right. Now there were warnings that, uh, that has been, they've been given throughout the ages and especially in our church age that we live in. Uh, this one book, this one magazine, I'll tell you in just a moment, there are warnings concerning humanism in the local church. Let me read these to you. First of all, a friendly attitude towards science. The attitude, well, scientists are very smart. Well, we've seen that in recent days, haven't we? That they're so smart, they don't know what was yesterday and what's going to be tomorrow, and they say this is today, and don't do it tomorrow, though, because you did it today. There's also a willingness to re-examine beliefs concerning the work of the Holy Spirit, especially in relationship to holiness experiences. A second blessing, sometimes after conversion, speaking in tongues and healing. Number three, a more tolerant attitude toward varying views on biblical doctrine. A shift away from so-called extreme dispensationalism. 
The trend today is away from dispensationalism. In fact, many rarely use the word dispensation now. Number five, an increased emphasis on scholarship. We need to be smarter to understand the Bible. Number six, a more definite recognition of social responsibility, socialism. We've got a bunch of communists and socialism trying to run this country today, and we need to pray for them. Pray that God will get a hold of their hearts and save them before this country continues going down the spiral that it's headed in right now. Number seven, a reopening of the subject of biblical inspiration. In other words, question whether or not the Bible is inspired. Number eight, a growing willingness of evangelical theologians to converse with liberal theologians. And it goes on to say what that is. An evangelical can profitably engage in an exchange of ideas with men who are not evangelicals. Can't we all just get along? Can't we just throw in the towel with them and, and just, just be friends with everybody? Well, the Bible says that we're different. We're peculiar. We're saved. We're on our way to heaven, and we need to let other people know about that, and we need to take a stand. Now, these warnings that I just read to you appeared in a liberal magazine in 1956. It would seem that that liberal magazine is more conservative than some of the conservatives are today. And that's sad because some of the conservatives that we see today have taken on these eight things that I just mentioned to you. Well, notice this, if you would. As we think of this, the NIV, the not inspired book. Well, why would I and how could I call the NIV, the new international version, a perversion? How, how, can I, how can I say that? Well, let's, let the, let's, let's just let the book speak for itself, and I think you'll see what I mean. The perverted NIV. Notice this. Now, if you have one of the study sheets, we had some of those tonight, and if you want to fill those in, that's fine. You'll have a record of this, and you'll be able to look back on it. You'll have some verses. Well, the NIV, first of all, perverts the deity of Jesus Christ. You see that in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. In 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, the NIV says he, uses the word he instead of God. That word God is found in the King James Bible. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, and this is the clearest verse in the Bible proclaiming that Jesus Christ was God and is God. The NIV reads this, he appeared in a body. He appeared in a body. Well, the King James Bible reads like this, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Amen. There's a big difference. The King James says plainly that God was manifest in the flesh. The NIV twists God to he. He appeared in a body. So what? Everybody has appeared in a body. Now notice this in that verse. Now I'm no English scholar, and I know you know that by the way I speak. But I know that this is true. He is a pronoun that refers to a noun or antecedent, whatever that is. Okay? There's no antecedent in this context of the NIV. The statement does not make sense. The NIV subtly perverts 1 Timothy 3.16 into utter nonsense. These people that translated this thing, they, they say that they're scholars. Well, I don't believe so. 
They may be scholars of the world, but they're not scholars of God. Notice this. Number three. The NIV says that Jesus does not consider himself equal with God. Now, I think I could stop here probably and say this is a perversion because of these simple things that I just mentioned just now. Not equal with God. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 6, the NIV, NIV reads like this, Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. The NIV once again subtly perverts the deity of Jesus Christ. Now notice, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 6. The King James. The King James clearly declares the deity of Jesus Christ. Who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. I've been studying through the book of John once again and doing that on the broadcast. And over and over again, Jesus told those doubters, those scribes and Pharisees, He said, I came from above. I came from the Father. I am God. He tried to get this across to those Pharisees, and we have a lot of those Pharisees, I believe, that translated the NIV into the garbage that we see today. Leaving out the virgin birth, of which we see next here, that the NIV perverts the virgin birth, just as... Many people have done down through the ages. Notice this, the NIV in Luke chapter 2 and verse 33, it says the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. The NIV there says that Joseph was the child, that's Jesus' father. Was Jesus the son of Joseph? Of course he wasn't. Not if you believe the virgin birth. Not if you believe that John 3.16 where it says God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. This is another, another subtle perversion of the virgin birth by the NIV. Now notice what the King James Bible says in Luke 2.33. It says, And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Luke 2, 43, And when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother knew not of it. Nowhere in the King James Bible does it refer to Joseph as Christ's father, but the NIV does. Notice something else. This makes my blood boil. The NIV removes the blood of Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.14, the NIV rips out the precious words through His blood. And ladies and gentlemen, redemption is only through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's through the blood of my Savior. Hebrews 9.22 reads, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. The old song says, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. There is also a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Well, the NIV reads, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That's it. No blood mentioned. The King James. If I can get it to click. Notice, 
The King James keeps the blood of Jesus in Colossians 1.14. It reads, In whom we have redemption, through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Amen. Now, number six, the NIV perverts John 3.16 into a lie. The NIV says, one and only son. But notice the King James. The King James says Jesus is the only begotten Son of God, John 3.16. Now, John 3.16, the NIV reads like this, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him sh uh, shall not perish but have eternal life. On the surface, someone who sees that, who's unsaved, they say, well, that sounds pretty good. I believe that. You know, I'll go along with that. But there's a big difference here. Jesus was not the one and only Son of God. Adam is called the Son of God in Luke chapter 3 and verse 38. And Christians are called the sons of God in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 15 and 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2. Jesus is the only begotten Son of God. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And if you're unsaved, you need to listen to that because Jesus wants to save you. He came here for a specific purpose. He was sent by God the Father to seek and to save those who were lost. And if you do not know Him as Lord and Savior, you need to do that tonight because you don't have the promise of the next breath. God is so generous to us as human beings, He gives us every opportunity to trust His Son, Jesus Christ. Now notice, the NIV perverts John 3.16 into a lie. Number seven, the NIV openly lies when it says in 2 Samuel 21.19 that Elhanan, son of Jer, Oregon, the Bethlehemite, killed Goliath the Gittite. You may say, well, I've read 2 Samuel 21.19 in the NIV, and it doesn't say that. Uh, you see, it doesn't say, they, someone say I've read that, Elhanan, son of Jer, Oregon, the Bethlehemite, killed Goliath the Gittite. Well, did you read the footnote? See, a lot of people overlook these things. A lot of people fail to look at the footnote and say, uh, once again, when you look at that footnote, it, it's a lie. It's a lie. It takes away from the Word of God. One eight-year-old does not know that David killed Goliath. King James, 2 Samuel 21, 19. And there was again a battle in Gob with the Philistines where Elhanan, the son of Jerah, Oregon, a Bethlehemite slew the brother of Goliath, the Gittite, the staff of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. It was the brother of Goliath, the Gittite, who was slain. Not Goliath. David slew Goliath. Now, turn with me to Romans chapter 1, if you would. And uh, we're not going to read, read a lot of that. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. But I, I, I want you to mark this. If you don't have this in the paper that you have, if you've got one of the papers. Romans chapter 1 and verse 18 describes the path to perversion. Verse 25 describes their decline. It says, who changed the truth of God into a lie. Well, not surprisingly... The NIV perverts Romans 1.25 from change the truth of God into a lie to exchange the truth of God for a lie. 
The NIV simply lies instead of telling the truth. There is no truth found in the NIV. Now notice this. The publishers and producers of the NIV says it's easier to read. Does this mean that people are too dumb to understand the King James Bible? Are you too dumb to understand the Word of God? That's what these people want us to understand or want us to believe. That's what the devil wants everybody to believe. If he gets everybody to believe in that, they'll either not read the Bible at all or they'll read some garbage like the NIV. Now, Psalm 119, I'm going to read this before we look at that. Psalm 119, 160 says, The word is true. Thy word is true. John 17, 17 says, Thy word is truth. Titus 1, 2 clearly says, God that cannot lie. How could God of the Titus chapter 1 and verse 2 be God, the God of 2 Samuel 21, 19 in the NIV? It's impossible because it is a lie about who slew Goliath. Now notice, the NIV removes sexual perversions. The word sodomite is completely removed from the NIV. Now in Deuteronomy chapter 23 and verse 17, the King James says this, There shall be no whore of the daughters of Israel, nor a sodomite of the sons of Israel. 1 Kings 14, 24, And there were also sodomites in the land, and they did according to all the abominations of the nations which the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. 1 Kings 15, 12, And he took away the sodomites out of the land and removed all the idols that his fathers had made. Now in Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. And we're going to read through 26 through 32 in this. And I want you to listen carefully what the King James Bible says. Now remember, the NIV removes sodomite. It removes sexual perversion. Romans 1.26, King James, For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men and, uh, with men working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Let me stop. Is it any wonder that these people are going wild today because God has given them over to a reprobate mind? They refuse God and God says, okay, have at it. You go at it and see what happens to you. Verse 29, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. This country is going wild, this world is wild, but is it any wonder it lies in the hands of the evil one? Now, God is still in charge, but he'll let, he'll let the devil go so far and he'll say, that's it. I'm putting a stop to this. Now, the King James in Romans chapter 1, verses 26 through 30, 32 that we've read, 
It also shows the fruits of sowing in verse 25. Changed the truth of God into a lie. Verses 26 through 27 says, For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly. Homosexuality and sexual perversion has exploded into the mainstream, and you know that. Same-sex marriage is now legal. Bestiality is legal in certain states. I don't know if you knew that. It is legal. Books such as Heather Has Two Mommies and Daddy's Roommate promoting homosexuality are in government public schools. And that's the reason it's so important for you to have your children in a good godly school like our school here. Amen. And have good godly men and women teaching boys and girls the things of God instead of the things of the world. Taking a stand for Jesus Christ. According to the Washington Post, bisexuality and homosexuality are the in thing in our public schools. And so-called Christian churches are welcoming homosexuals and are even ordaining them in the ministry. And I got news for you. If you're listening over the internet or wherever you're over the radio, where you folks here, you, if you have children or grandchildren going to a Christian, quote unquote, Christian college, you better be checking that school out as well. Because I know that there's religious institutions that have people coming in on, in their uh, con, uh, uh, convocations, talking to students, advocating that they stand for those people who are for homosexuality. These, this is happening in so-called Christian colleges, and you better check it out and make sure where you're sending your children. Notice this. The NIV in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9 does not condemn the act of homosexuality. Only homosexual offenders. They call them rapists. Rapists. Well, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. That's King James. There are at least two homosexuals who worked on the production of the NIV. Lesbian, Dr. Virginia Mollencott, a literary critic on the NIV translation, is an open homosexual. In the Episcopal Magazine, witnessed June 1991, so she admits, my homosexuality has always been a part of me. She earned her B.A., and I even say this, she earned her B.A. from Bob Jones University in 1953. That does not make Bob Jones a bad school. That simply means that there was a homosexual that attended that school and graduated there with a B.A. 
her MA at Temple University in 1955, her PhD at New York University in 1964, and received an honorary doctor. Oh, she's a smart woman, is she? An honorary doctorate in ministries from Samaritan College in 1989. Among the books she has written, Omnigender, A Trans-Religious Approach. Another one, The Divine Feminine, The Biblical Imagery of God as female. This is one of the workers that worked on the NIV. Another one, another homosexual, Dr. Martin uh, Woodstra, and this dead sodomite headed up the NIV Old Testament committee. God help us. God help our people, the people of God, to stand up and take a stand against things like this and wake up to the facts that the devil is trying to to send as many people to hell as he can in the name of God with perversions. Now notice this. The NIV robs Jesus Christ of worship. And you see in Matthew 8, 2, 9-18, 15-25, 18-26, 20-20, 5-6, 15-19, worshiped him is removed in the NIV. And number 10 here, the NIV perverts Jesus Christ into Lucifer. The NIV reads in Isaiah 14, 12, How you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. Well, notice the King James, Isaiah 14, 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cast down, cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? The NIV perversion, notice what it does. Changes Lucifer to the morning star in Isaiah 14, 12. Again, the King James. Notice the King James once again reads, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? Not morning star, son of the morning. How art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? Now in Revelation chapter 22 and verse 16, the Bible says, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and what? Morning star. Isaiah 14, 14 reveals that Satan's grandest desire, I will be like the Most High. And with a little, just a little subtle perversion, the NIV in Isaiah 14, 12 grants Satan's wish. You may be thinking, well, what's the big deal? Well, here's the big deal. The Lord Jesus Christ is the morning star. Revelation 22, 16 again says, Jesus, I have Jesus sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. Well, the NIV clearly and blatantly makes Lucifer the Lord Jesus Christ. What blasphemy, what perversion. And Christians claim the NIV is a better translation Isaiah 14, 15, the King James Bible condemns Lucifer to hell. It says, Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell. 
The NIV does not condemn Lucifer to hell. The NIV reads like this, but you are brought down to the grave. Well, we all go to the grave. And why doesn't the NIV want Satan in hell? The NIV removes and perverts the place of hell. The word hell occurs 31 times in the Old Testament in the King James Bible. In the Old Testament of the NIV, hell occurs zero times. The word hell is not in the Old Testament of the NIV at all. And what do, the, what do they do with hell? Well, take Psalm 917, for example. The King James reads this, the wicked shall be turned into hell. The NIV reads like this, the wicked return to the grave. By removing hell, the NIV perverts Psalm 917 into nonsense. Hell's gone. Notice 15. In the New Testament, that was the Old Testament. In the New Testament, the NIV zaps out hell nine times. What clearer, easier to understand word does the NIV update hell with? Five times they use Hades. Matthew 16, 18, Revelation 1, 18, 6, 8, 20, 13, and 14. What common person understands Hades? Now, Hades is translated in certain areas from hell, but the NIV perverts it. Everybody knows what hell is. Do you know what Hades is? Hades is not always a place of torment or terror. The Assyrian Hades is an abode of blessedness with silver skies called happy fields. Well, in the Satanic New Age movement, Hades is an intermediate state of purification. Webster's New Collegiate Dictionary defines Hades like this, the underground abode of the dead in Greek mythology. The NIV provokes uh, perverts your Bible into mythology. Now note Revelation twenty-two nineteen, the King James Bible. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in the book. The NIV even changes this. Revelation 22:19. The last part of Revelation 22:19 in Revelation in NIV, NIV reads like this: "Will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and the holy city, which are described in this scroll." Notice the word "share," not "part," but "share." But that's that's only part of it. The real word of God, the King James, does not say tree of life as the NIV does in Revelation 20, 22, 19. The real word of God, the King James, uses the right words, the book of life. If, you're never, if you've never been born again, you stand at that white throne judgment, the Bible says that your name is going to be taken out of the book of life. It's as though you have never been born again. 
It's as though you've never, you've never been, well, you've never been born again if you're at the, at the white throne judgment. But it's as though you've never been born into this world. No remembrance of you cast into the lake of fire. The NIV will not tell you that. Notice, the NIV completely takes away at least 16 verses. Well, here goes some more here. Preacher, will you pick those up after I'm finished? <laughs> in the footnotes and commentary in the NIV, wonderful and precious verses are left out. And we've already seen some of this. For instance, Matthew 18, 11, For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. Acts 8, 37, Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now, uh, the NIV verse completely takes away Matthew 17, 21, and, and, and all these verses. And uh, the NIV takes away salvation. That's, that's, the, that's the thing. Takes away the blood of Christ. There is no salvation apart from the blood of Christ. There is no salvation apart from the Word of God, the true Word of God. It's God-breathed. Notice this, number 17. The NIV takes away 64,576 words. I don't think I can tear that many out of here. Let me see. That, that's the same thing. That's what happens with the NIV, tearing up the Word of God. Don't look for the mercy seat. Don't look for that. Hebrews chapter 9, gone. The Old Testament and then the NIV, gone. Don't look for Jehovah, gone. Don't, don't look for Jehovah and don't look for the Godhead in the NIV, gone. Terms like remission, regeneration, impute, propitiation, New Testament, and many others gone. Well, despite God's clear warnings about taking away from His Word, once again, the NIV removes 64,000. Can you grasp this? 64,576 words, over 8% of God's Word is taken away combined. This is the equivalence of ripping out over 30 books of the Bible. Number 18, the NIV says Jesus has not been forever. The NIV says Jesus was from ancient times. There is a difference between ancient and forever. Did Jesus ever begin? Was Jesus before time? He had no beginning. Jesus is God and has no origin. Hebrews 7.3 speaks of Melchizedek. This is a pre-incarnate Jesus. It says, without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, which abideth a priest continually. This is speaking of Jesus Christ. 
He always has been. If he had a beginning, he wouldn't be God. But the NIV wants you to think he had a beginning. So what are they saying? He's not God. You know, I remember reading about Paul the Apostle, and he preached. I believe it was Paul. Uh, who was it that brought all of, the, uh, all of the books and things? Not Hitler, okay? Not Hitler. Hitler did all this stuff. But when, when the Word of God was preached, they brought all of their enchantments, all of the witchcraft and everything, and they had a big bonfire. And I believe that's what needs to be done with that book. Amen. It needs to be thrown out. And if that, if that offends you, then you need to check up. Because God, if he saved you, you better wake up. And if you've never trusted him, you better confess up and ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart. Well now, and let me close with this. In addition to what I've presented here, I've just touched the surface. There's much more. In addition, what I've presented, the NIV is based upon the work of the two biggest heretics, occultists of all time, Westcott and Hort. Westcott himself was one of the founders of the Cambridge Ghost Society. Westcott and Hort were psychic ghost hunters, not to mention that the NIV was translated from the corrupted Alexandrian Greek text. You remember that? picture I showed you in the beginning about the fool's gold and those Bibles up there. They all come from the Alexandrian Greek text. They're all based in part upon Westcott and Hort. Well, I say to those who have taken away, added to, and changed the word of God, ye have perverted the words of the living God. Jeremiah chapter 23 and verse 36 says that. Stand up. Take a stand. If you have one of those perversions, perversions my, my advice to you is throw it in the garbage. Get rid of it. Better that than that. Burn it. You don't want somebody finding the thing and reading it. Get rid of it. Next time, the Lord's will, we'll look at that perversion. Maybe you know what that is, but you'll find out the next time that we have time together in studying these perversions. It's so important for our people to be aware as to what's going on. And I realize I've held you quite a bit, but it's important for you to know these things. Let's pray.